Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Bam. There it is. There it is. Oh, man. This is it's showtime. Oh, this is a good one. This is going to be a good one. Uh, my guest today is a marketing automation leader. I can't wait to talk to him. We're going to geek out on marketing automation. He's a technologist. He's a speaker, award-winning, fearless marketer, Marketo champion, all the things. I'm going to, I'm going to say hardcore marketing champion. He is, he is certified in all the things too. HubSpot, Marketo, Salesforce, knowledge across the board. We're going to talk shop. We'll talk tech. We'll talk strategy. The global marketing operations manager at Amazon Web Services, Daryl Alfonso, welcome to the show. Thanks, Casey. Big fan of the podcast and of your work. So super excited for the conversation we'll have today. Yeah, I know we got connected on LinkedIn because we were talking about one of the shows or the, the book or something. And I just, and, and once I got connected to you, I started seeing all your thought leadership and I was like, man, we got to get you on the show because you are blowing up LinkedIn. And we're, we're definitely going to talk about how you are an influencer on there at some point, but I want to do this other thing first real quick. This is our marketing leadership series. I would even argue marketing automation leadership series. So I got to pass you something. It's heavy, but I know you got this. Right. <clears throat> okay, here you go. <laughs> Thor's hammer. You got it? I got Look it. Look at that. Wow, one-handed. You're just, just casual. You're just, just Thor's hammer, no big deal. So take that hammer and smash for me some kind of marketing myth bogus strategy, misconception, just set the record straight once and for all. Yes. So I would have to say that a big myth is that marketing success can happen in a vacuum. Mm. And what I mean by that, and this, this also goes to a lot of different areas of business as well, where especially ambitious professionals will want to do everything themselves. Um, make all the plans, make all the reporting and take all the credit. Um, and in reality, and especially in these, you know, really top companies, that is completely impossible and can never happen. Um, really great success, uh, especially within marketing, needs the cooperation and collaboration of, you know, tens, sometimes hundreds of people to really, really make business impact. Um, and that's, that's something that I I feel really strongly about. And, and honestly, something that I've learned only probably in the last few years or so, you know, because I was like that. I, yeah. I, I'm ambitious. And when I see a project or see, some, see a goal that I want to achieve, um, I want to do it alone. And I, want, I, wa I wanted people to know that it was just me that, that did it. And I quickly found, especially when I managed a team, that that's the wrong way to go about it. It's backwards thinking. You know, yeah. and, and you can really do great things um, when you work with a talented group of people that are all working toward, toward the same goals. Yeah, it's interesting, right? I think part of that is just the, the desire to not need to depend on anyone, right? And also you want to show like, you know, first day on the job, I don't want to be the, the needy one that has to ask everyone questions. I just want to just do this, you know, and not show any kind of weakness or whatnot, but it, or just you want the credit, right? Thinking that credit is going to get you the promotion that, that, you know, this was all Daryl's project or Casey did this all by himself. Give him all the credit. Like that's going to, 
be, you know, short change, you know, everyone and get you to the top faster. But it sounds like yep. that's just not the case. It, that is truly a myth that needs to be smashed. It, to- it totally is. And I-, I think that we get in that frame of thinking because we want to get promoted, right. you know, um, or we want some sort of glory. We want all the press. Right. And the reality is, and, and you, you, you see this when you also go through the process of promoting other people, um, is that the, the qualifications are really, are you delivering great business results? Uh, you know, are your, are your marketing campaigns world-class? Are they, de- are they delivering an excellent customer experience? And are you working really well with the people around you and with your different teams? Um, and, and one of the things, especially coming to Amazon, that I found really needed work was, you know, my project management and program management skills. You know, how do you, yeah. how do, you do something within your marketing automation platform or, um, you know, within the customer experience where a lot of different people can get on board and, you know, seamlessly execute something? And, and it's tough because not everyone thinks like you. And, and that's, and, and not everyone has the same goals. So, so that to me is, is extremely important. Not everyone thinks like you or has the same goals. It's mm. true. It's kind of obvious, but it needs to be said because we, we, we don't tend to act like that's the case. Oh, everyone, I just assume everyone knows what I mean by my quick little sentence on Slack or my quick little note in email. Maybe not. We, there's so much miscommunication that happens because we think that everyone just is the same copy of our brain and then, man, the goals being different. Like it, it, when you, it's like when you're aware of what people's goals are, you can really align them because you know if they're the same or they're different or can you work together. But if you don't know what their goals are, people are going to seem really weird to you. Like, why are they doing that? Where are they going? Yeah. I mean, I assume it's the same with your clients, right? Where you, yeah. you, something completely works for one, one client. And then when you switch industries, it, it, it's, it's a 180. You know, totally. or they or they completely need something different, and I I think that that's, um, you know, you probably see that all the time. Yeah, it's it's one of the slippery th- slippery things. There is that you want everyone to kind of do best practices and do like you were saying, like global marketing, like a like cutting edge. This is something that can get an award. It's really productive. You're driving results. You want everyone to have those, but the 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 point is sometimes the results that people are going for are different. And maybe it's not like what you'd wish they were doing, but they need like, if their sales team wants leads, yes, you can try to work on the fact that they should be looking at something other than leads, but that's what their goals are. So like kind of meet them where they're at, as opposed to just trying to like completely, it's almost like empathy, right? Instead of just ignoring where they're at and just going right to what you want them to be doing. You're like, okay, where are they at? And then what's the next step from there? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I have experience in both, you know, and, and we can talk about that a little bit later. Um, but I have experience in startup and midsize and, and right. now in, in, in enterprise, and it is completely different. You know, if, if, when you're, when you're starting out, a lot of times you really just need leads um, and you, and you really just need some people for the salespeople to talk to. I mean, they have to be qualified. Um, sure. But, but, but as you sort of move up in the, in the maturity stages of a company, um, a lot of other things do become more important. Um, branding becomes important, um, making sure that, that um, customers feel appreciated and, and even p- potential cu- customers um, feel like they're, they're getting a good experience with, with your brand, I think yeah. becomes more and more important as your, as your company matures. Um, so, so all of that, 
all of that I think is really different. Yeah, it's a, it's a good thing to highlight that there's like a moving target there because I think sometimes people are confused when they're like, oh, this, this company is backward or, or, or trying to throw an enterprise thing on a, on a little startup that's like, well, that's cool, but like we, our salespeople are bored right now. Like let's, yeah. let's get them some kind of conversations and not go crazy and get them, you know, grandmas who aren't going to buy your SaaS software, but like get them someone who they can talk to. But, you know, understanding where, where that company is at in that maturity model, um, trying to move it forward for sure, but also understanding just what they got to get done today. Those quick wins, you know? Yeah. And you know, that brings up another thing that I've been thinking about, um, a myth that I didn't tell you about yet. But Ooh. one of the things that I was thinking about as, as something that people get wrong is that there's this notion that your systems or your marketing automation setup is going to get to a perfect state mm. or, or one of your programs that you're running, whether it's lead nurture or your scoring or your dynamic content, that it's going to get to a place where you're like, Oh, I'm done. You know, yep. this is, this is good to go now. Let's, let's move on. Off to vacation. And, yep. <laughs> off, off to vacation. Like what's the next job? And that, that, it, that never happens. And, and I think, when I was, you know, more junior, I, I did sort of think that there was a perfect way to set it up. You know, let, let's do that. Um, and, and one of the things that I've just been so impressed with at, at Amazon is we have this mindset of even though something's already working well, how can we make it better? And, mm. and that really resonated with me. Um, to be honest, it's one of, for some insiders here, or for some people that, that may be going through this process in the future. One of the interview questions for Amazon is, give me an example of a time where you, where you, you had a good customer experience program set up and it was working well. And how did you make it better? Ooh. And luckily I had an example of that, but I think for, for, for so many other folks, that's a little bit, borderline obsessive, right? Um, to, to take a look at your programs and go, okay, what's working? Okay, how can we even make it better? Right. And ignore the barn and, fire over there. And let's, let's focus over here for a second. Right. <laughs> right. Well, hopefully there's not a barn, barn fire. Right, there, right. But, but um, you know, I, I, think, I think that that's such a great way to look at your work even, you know, is, is, there, is there something that's, that's, that's going well? And, and you know, how can, you, how can you even, how can you make it even better? Um, but I don't know. Do you, do, you, do you agree with that? Or do you feel like that that's actually a little excessive? I think it's a great, I mean, I always loved job interviews. Um, for some reason, it, you know, the tricky questions and because it's like selling yourself. I think you could do a whole conversation on the fact that, you know, people can do a better job of selling themselves and, and that's really helpful. In those jobs. I just loved it. Right. And so that question though, I don't know. Like, as you, did you have an answer? Like, did you have to think about it or did you kind of have something? Had you, what, what did you improve? Do you remember what you had told them? What did I, what I had done? Mm. Yeah. You know, I, I, we had a, we had a process set up that was working. Um, now that I think about it, I don't know if it was working really well, but we sure. had a, a lead routing process set up. But it was that quote, I had working, form. right? So it was, it was like working. baseline MVP. Kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we had a lead, we had a, a lead routing that, that was, that was working where, you know, it, 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 it was, um, uh, marketers would 
clone a program and then build up their their lead routing within that program and it was it was okay, okay. um and, and and it was it was working well there weren't really any problems um but i really saw an area to to increase efficiency by building a central lead routing program and it it the the time saved and the amount of i think just overall efficiency of the marketing team really skyrocketed after sure. implementing a central lead routing system. So I think that that, if I remember, it's a couple of years ago now, but I think that that was the example I used. Yeah. And, you know, and time to time to contact a lead is huge, right? So doing that to better customer experience, better connect rates, better everything can come from just making that a little more efficient. I think for me, I'd probably say something like when I first got into a company, the first time I ever used marketing automation, it was, um, it was NetSuite. And uh, they didn't okay. have any automation. And so someone would fill out a form with 12 fields on it to get um, the newsletter. Nobody wants to do that. It's like not a good idea. Um, that's not a good barter for the newsletter. Uh, but they, <laughs> the, the two people that would do this to get the newsletter, they would get a call from a sales rep like that day or the next day as like a lead. Yeah. One of the newsletter. And, and so the experience was terrible. And I remember listening to a sales call one time where the very first question prospect asked was like who are you again and what do you do mm, it's like I, I can't believe we're wasting our we're wasting their time and our time everyone's time so it was building in some nurture so we told them what we are what we do and they could experience and do it and try it before getting on the call so that they either really wanted to be on there or or save themselves the time you know and, and avoided the sort of kind of looking at each other twiddling our thumbs wondering why we're both on this phone call yeah i you know, I feel for both sides and yeah. I feel like, yeah, I, I feel like I am, I'm almost one of those people that are too empathetic, but, um, you know, I, I, do you cry like television commercials? <laughs> you know, sometimes at the end of Disney movies, yeah. um, I, yeah. I will get like, t like, won't be sobbing, right? but it'll be like tear. Yeah. I don't yeah, know if yeah, you, did, did you watch Onward? <laughs> right. A little do, a little morning do. Well, morning do. Yeah, yeah. So um, I feel for especially um, the the sellers and the marketers that are more junior in their career. Um, yeah. They just want to do well, and they um, a lot of the sales philosophy is it's a numbers game. You know, so I just got to talk to as many people as I can. And there's something admirable about that. You know, mm -hmm. because it it rejection's hard. And um, you know, I did it when I was at a startup because I did both sales and marketing at the same time. But so, you know, and, and, it, and it is true. If you do call a certain amount of people, you, you, will, get, you will get some success. And when you're, when you're early in your, in your career, you sort of need that practice. Um, so I try not to shame people as much. Um, I try to stay positive um, when I'm either giving, you know, feedback to, to salespeople and yeah. um, I, 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 I never try to criticize, especially publicly on LinkedIn. Um, and and th I think that that's something that we have to stop doing, in my opinion. Yeah, that's a, it's an interesting topic about the, the criticism. Sometimes I wish, though, we like just tag the person that did the whatever weird thing that someone's like complaining about. There you go. So we can yeah. like give them enough social pressure so they stop doing it, you know? <laughs> although, oh, yeah. Otherwise, you're just talking about it. And it's like, okay, we're just talking about, we're all getting fired up, but who sent you that? Like who, you know, especially when, you, when, you know, there's like women leaders in marketing, they share something like some, some dummy did something ridiculous. Oh, uh, uh, Jessica, someone called someone, um, uh, doe eyes or like 
deer eyes or something. Wow. Right? It's like, what are you doing? And maybe it was, hopefully it was just a different language. And I was like, okay, you're not really sure. But, you know, come on. Let's not be hitting on each other on LinkedIn. Like, just, that's not the place for it. Oh, yeah. Well, um, I mean, in, I think in that case, you absolutely yeah. have to call it out and report yeah, it. Yeah, right? Um, I think, and, and you can report on LinkedIn. Um, when you, when you, when you experience like harassment or abuse and and people should be doing that. And I'm glad that people that, uh, you know, especially women who have experienced that share that to to bring light to it. I Um, asked her to tell me who it was so I could go comment on his eyes or his like, like, Hey, nice (laughs) nose, bro. You know, like what's up? But, uh, but I digress. Let me, let me bring it back. Uh, so and I do want to get into LinkedIn in just a second, but one of the things I wanted to ask you about, you, you, you kind of dropped this in there subtly, the PM skills. I've seen this be a thing. No, we don't really go to school for it. Sometimes we don't even go to school no. for marketing, right? So, but we get into this marketing thing, we're doing this thing, and then suddenly we have a project or a program of projects to manage. And it's like, no one's done that. You've heard of PMP and other weird certs, and you're like, I'm not a Six Sigma black belt. Like, what, what's your take on the project management? What, how much do you need to be deadly? Like, what, what do you need to know about PM? Yeah. So, and this is really interesting too, because it also depends on the size of your company, right? So, so if you're, if you're a, you know, a one person team, you know, one person army, um, a lot of it is really executing and on your own to-do list, you know, making sure you get stuff done. Uh, but then as soon as you hit mid, mid, uh, mid-sized companies, you get into project management where to get things done, you have to influence people often cross-functionally, right? People not in your department mm. to move things forward. And then um, at, at, at Amazon, uh, program management is a huge thing. And it's, it's managing a collection of related projects uh, in service of some sort of, in service of some sort of initiative. And I found that by studying it and, and really trying to focus on how you can make it better, uh, it can really improve how effective you are in, in, in actually delivering results. And I think that, I don't know that, that you need to get certified. I, I'm not certified. Right. Um, but I recently read a book. It was called The Unofficial Project Management Guide for the Unofficial Project Manager. Really? Right? Yeah, I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. And it, it kind of distilled the, the, the essence of, of what you need for, for good project management. And... Um, I read the book cover to cover and I felt that my work had improved by 50% and all of the mm. things like I, I felt it brought clarity to what I was doing. And the, the number one thing that I think that, that you need to remember is it's about your stakeholders, keeping them updated and motivated and giving them this, these sort of, guideposts or these milestones that they have to hit um, in order to get something successfully through the door. And I think if you remember that concept, it, it, it will really bring a lot of like life to your projects and a lot of um, discipline to it. Right. Mm. Stakeholders, right? And, and, and I found this too, expectation setting, you know, even, even with like my team, you know, people aren't unhappy with the team because they're freaking awesome. Anytime there's ever a conflict or something we need to address, it's expectations is what are you expecting? 
And like, we need to have that conversation like three or four times to make sure we're not miscommunicating, right? Different brains, different goals, make sure we're on the same page. It's all about expectations. So whether you're, you know, client side or an agency or anything, it's all about expectations. And I like, like you're like the stakeholders, the people, and would that be like the, the VP of marketing, the VP of sales or whatever size company, it's the different people that own the different parts that you're interfacing with. Yeah. And, and think about it this way too, you know, when you're doing a project for a client, you know, um, does it ever really go the way you think it is? Sure. Like exactly. Right. You know, and, and um, yeah, I mean, I'd be curious it, it, how, how often are you, when, when you, when you are working on a marketing automation project, how often are you kind of rescoping and like pivoting the whole thing? Is it often or? Not anymore. Um, I see. And, okay. and sometimes we've learned some great stuff. Um, Brian on our team is a, he's like a project. He could have written that book probably. And so we've learned a okay. lot from him in terms of scoping and the fact, and, and part of the scoping is also the things that you say that are not a part of it, right? The exceptions or the, um, the out of scope, right? Just so you're clear yeah. with people to be able to say, okay, it's not this, it's not this, it's not this, not yeah. to be a lawyer or not to be, and sometimes that was what I, that was like my myth was I would think like, oh, I don't want to be like all legalistic with people, but it's like, no, you're just over communicating. So we're clear, like it doesn't involve this. We're not going to walk your dog. We're not going to do this, but we are going to move you off of Marketo, right? So it's like in doing that, but you're right. There, there are changes that need to happen. And if, if that's the case, then I, the second part you brought up, the guideposts, the milestones, whatever the, the mile markers to be able to show people not just tell them, okay, this is going well, or it's not going well, but visually, or give me a number. Like, are, are we not at 100% yet? Are we at 75? Like, where are yeah. we? So I get a sense for what needs to happen. Yeah. And otherwise, also, the motivation to help you also fizzles out yeah. if you don't know what's going on. You know, I, I see that a lot where you, you kick off a project and everyone's so fired up. Yeah. And then three months later, it's kind of like, hey, what happened to that thing? What happened to that project we were talking about? You know, I was excited about it, but nothing ever happened. You know, because you didn't, you, you think it's over communicating, but it's not. It's, it's keeping people updated and informed um, about, like you said, where are we? Are we 50% yeah. of the way? Are we 75% of the way? Um, and, you know, the projects that I come across, I, I find often that it's the first time. Um, so so I, it might be different. I think that, maybe within your clients, you see patterns in industries or patterns mm -hmm. in technologies. Um, I find that, that the stuff that I'm working on uh, a lot of times is, is, is the first time. A lot yes, of times it's that's unprecedented. The yeah. And, and totally. um, it, it's, it never is the way I think it's going to go. It's always like something random is going to come up where, well, this platform actually needs a double security check or, um, you know, we, we didn't, we didn't consider, um, these set of fields and right. they're not the, these set of fields aren't the right types. Right. right. Um, so, so we're going to have to restructure the data for this to work. And I think be becoming fluid and ready for issues to come up. Um, it, it really helps with, with the stress and also with, with, um, making sure that things get done, even though it's not, things won't turn out as you expect. Yeah, and, and building that into the plan. I think you really, the, the eye-opening moment is if it, you're doing something for the first time and oftentimes you are, otherwise you would have already, it's, it's already done, you know? And so we come up with, against that with mi migrations. Like 
very rarely in a marketer's life are you doing a massive migration off of a big platform onto another big platform. And so it's usually scary. Never done it before. Um, now, because that's almost all of what we do, right? We do a you know, Salesforce part out and uh-huh. we, we do that all the time. We're able to say, okay, we've, we've seen all, it's like that, what's that insurance commercial, right? Where they show like, oh, the, the deer falling into the pool. We've, we've seen that before. Right? Yeah. You know, like it's farmers, farmers. I think, or farmers. something, right? Yeah. They're like, oh, the, and they always have fun, weird things. The plane that went, whatever, right? It's like, we've covered that before. You're right. If it's your first time, you don't have that, that realm of knowledge. So, and I can imagine you got to plan, put that into the plan. Okay, we need a little time in between here. If you have it just all up, nose and nose and nose, what happens if something changes and you have to deviate, you know? Right, right. And that brings up another topic you know, somewhat controversial, and I'm actually preparing a post on it. And it's on the hardcore marketing show. I know. You're going to see it already. But it's going to be the value of experience, right? Mm -hmm. And um, there's this, and this applies to sales. It applies to marketers. Um, But there was this, there was this study done years ago. I don't remember where it was done, but it was on chess grandmasters. Right. Okay. So like the best chess players and they, it, they did analysis of what they had in common and it wasn't IQ and it wasn't natural ability. It was pattern recognition, right? They recognized a set, a, 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 a huge number of patterns on the board at, that they could then action on you know, and, and kind of change their strategy around. So that was, that's what made a grandmaster. And the only way to actually get pattern recognition is to see them more, is to play more, right? So, so, so that for me is such a big deal um, with, with, especially when it comes to marketing automation and operations, but, but, but most, most fields anyway, is that you want someone to come in that has seen these patterns and can, you know, efficiently or effectively um, bring your business forward. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's a lot of misinformation on LinkedIn right now where people are saying, don't worry about experience. Don't hire, you know, people based on years of experience. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, at, but the reality is for a lot of roles, it does. And I right. think that and I hope that they're referring to maybe entry-level roles or, mm-hmm. you know, roles where you can kind of quickly pick up things. But well, I think it's it, the it, Southwest Airlines guy that that was his quote. Huh. Well, um, I, I know a lot of people are, I know a lot of people are saying it and it's a bit controversial, but, bit um, I think, yeah, but, but he, I mean, he was like, you, he was like hire for attitude, not for skill. Hire for attitude. Right. So, so, I mean, Casey, let's say you have a, a really big migration project yeah. to do. Um, attitude is certainly going to be a part of it, but I, I assume you're not going to hire someone just because they feel enthusiastic. Right. Right. To, <laughs> to, to handle the well. migration project. <laughs> no, it's great to have that. You got to have that too. Yeah. But yeah. At the end of the day, Hey guys, I know there's a thousand <laughs> moving parts here, but I don't know how we're going to, I don't know anything about project management. I don't know anything about the source or the destination, but I do know, we're the best team ever. Let's go, guys. Bring it in. Bring it in. Right? You're like, <laughs> thanks. I yeah. And I, I hope I hope this isn't hitting the wrong way. 
Right, um, right. But but I, I will say, just from my experience in hiring people, and and also seeing, you know, uh, in the past, the difference is it, it's exponential. Yeah. If you bring in someone that knows what they're doing, it's like bringing on another of yourself. You know, now you've got yeah. two. You know, there's two Daryls now, and we're tackling the project together. Versus, Sweet. versus. Okay, here's how you use Salesforce. Here's how you log in. You know, versus having two months of that. Yeah. Um, uh, I, anyway, I I hope the message though is is where does that, that come from though? Like, have you have you encountered that? Because I, no doubt when you're hiring, you need to figure out what you want, and I'm sure you need the right core values. But you also you need to be very intentional about what level, to your point, of experience you're bringing in. And if you don't have time to do that training evolution, then you need that experience. Yeah. I, and, and, and again, I'll qualify it by saying if it's an entry level role, you know, even if it's a great one, I, I absolutely, th I think it's going to be more attitude and more mentality and more of culture. Um, but for more senior roles where the stakes are high, experience is so important. You know, it doesn't yeah. have to be direct experience, but even the experience of managing complex projects across, you know, uh, a large company or uh, multiple companies yeah. uh, is, is going to be so key. You know, I might even challenge that just, it's weird, but I might even support you more by saying I've recently hired some, um, some great interns and some like entry level staff. And, and there are, there, there are college kids today. I mean, no, they, they get a lot of flack, but they're, they're ones that have been like working at this internship, tried out that internship, worked at that agency, spoke to one the other day who had to do like BDR cold calls. And I was like, oh, okay, I know where you've been. But the amount of experience you can acquire even as a student, it sets them up. And again, maybe you, neither of them know the skill you're talking about. Like, okay, you still need to train this. But the fact that you've, wow, you've done all this video production or you've done all this other stuff, you're, you're, you're shining. It says, because I know I'm, I'm dealing with someone a little bit, it's not another, you know, it's not Daryl number two, but it's like, okay, I, I can, I know what I'm working with here. Let's go for it. And so it's so much important. It's so important for every level to really emphasize the experience. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and in that case, I mean, that is experience, right? Yeah, if if yeah. they're doing side project that, that is, and, and that's a lot of, you know, some college students reach out to me for advice and, and around they're having trouble. And that's exactly what I, I, I tell them, start a side hustle, you know, yeah go on Upwork and take on some projects and, and learn how to do it. And then all of a sudden, after even a few months, you know, you can learn, a, a, you know, HubSpot or another, another type sure. of, of, of platform. I, I, think, I think my message is we shouldn't discount the value of experience. You know, deliberate experience, I think, is so, is, is so important. And I think that you know, one of the things that I, I get surprised about myself is, you know, when, when someone comes to me with a complex marketing automation problem that I saw a long time ago, I can remember how to fix it. And I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah, all you have to do is do this and this. And then in my mind, I'm like, how did I know that? You know, it's because I've seen it before. And I'm yeah. sure you've, you've come across that same thing where, you're, where you surprise yourself with how much you remember. Sometimes you know? it's, it's the agony of having to research it the first time because you have no idea. And mm -hmm. you like talk to several people and search all the FAQs and you finally find the solution and you, <laughs> and it's funny because you're right. You may never deal with that same situation again until, you know, 
few jobs later and it comes up and you're like, oh, yeah, let me tell you about it. It's almost like the person who's asking you the question, you're like, there's a, there's a story behind this. I could tell you, but here's the answer, but then let's talk <laughs> over lunch on the story because this is wild. You know, back in my day, I had to, I had to Google this up and down to find the answer. And here's your answer. I don't know. It, 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 it kind of sticks with you, though. It does. It does. And um, I, I, think, I think one thing, though, is that you can have several years of experience and still not be proficient at your job. So, so there, what, what is there, that? Yeah. How does yeah. It, so, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we come across these people sometimes, right, where they've mm-hmm. been in a role for a long time. Um, but you can tell that they aren't really on top of their stuff. Hmm. And um, I think I think that happens when in, professionals don't challenge themselves to learn new things, you know, in a in a in a, in a regular time frame. Yeah. Um, so you have, you know, people with ten plus years of experience that, you know, have problems with with the Microsoft products or. Um, you know some basic things, and I'm not call. I, I'm not saying that it's bad. I, I mean, I, I don't. I don't think it's a good thing. But I'm not. I'm not like shaming those people. But what I'm saying is, sometimes there's not every event where years of experience equals better. So I do want to yeah. say that. Well, you know, growth. I, I was just chatting the other day with a great guy on my team, and we we're talking about the core values and. The idea is that I feel like we want to add growth to the list because they're in, you know, it's, especially when it's your, your team, like, you know, are you reflecting the core values? It's like, yeah, it, it can be nervous and scary to learn something new, but you have, no matter what tool you have, Salesforce keeps adding clouds and studios and all these <laughs> things, Marketo as well and all the other, they're adding things. You got to stay on top of that. I know that takes work. Um, but when you do, you stay fresh, you're able to tackle those problems, you're growing, and also you're aware of your surroundings. I think sometimes, you know, like you're saying, if you're just sort of mailing it in or you're doing a great job, you're working hard, but you're, you're not pushing boundaries, you're kind of just staying within the confines, then you're not, you're not enriching yourself, your career, your experience. And, and to your point, maybe they've already learned something that they've already learned the, the most experience they can get on that particular level, that particular game or whatever it's almost like a game right where it's like okay you're maxed out on that level you can't get any more until you go over here and try something out yep yep and it ties back to what we were saying before right where there's this myth that you you can get a you you can get your program set up to a perfect state yeah and you know some people maybe once they get to an okay state it's like i'm good you know um i don't i don't need to improve this anymore I'm right. just going to clock in and clock out and make sure uh, we don't get blacklisted. Right. So, so, right. But that's, that's the, that's backwards thinking. And it it's is the wrong backwards thinking. Um, I, related to that is also like, let's get it set up during the implementation, you know, mm-hmm. the two month implementation or however long the vendor said it was going to be. It's like, that's the start. That's like the tip of the iceberg. You're getting things connected, but now you get to have fun. I guess it's, it's different, especially marketing automation. I want to I kind of bring us into marketing automation and really get your take on that too, is that, you know, there's, it is like how you do marketing and there's all sorts of facets to it. Yes, you want to set it up to be automated, but you'll be building things and getting more, more targeted and more exact and 
more relevant to your users, the more and more you add to it. So it's like something you'll be continuing to build onto your whole job. Like it, and so there's not really that finite moment. It's more of the way that's, that's the way that you will go. Not like the, the, the destination is somewhere you can put your finger on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think when it, I think when it comes to marketing automation, um, two things that I'd like to think about is if you're at a smaller organization, I think the key thing is to think, what does, where do the marketing, where do the marketing automation programs roll up to in terms of a report? So the report is sort of what the end goal looks like. And it could look like number of MQLs, number of meetings booked, um, pipeline, marketing influenced or marketing generated pipeline, and then revenue. What does that look like? And then you can then sort of draw dotted lines to each of your marketing automation priorities and make sure that they are all contributing toward, you know, um, or at least indirectly toward those goals. That's what I like to advise on if you're at, like at a smaller organization. And, and there, I think directionally you can do that for a large one too. Um, so that's, that's a really important one. I think that for, for me and what's really been helped when you're at a large organization is the concept of training others and building your processes and programs with the idea that other people will use them. And that has made a really key difference um, for us. And I've called it, I've called it in, in the past building with a training mindset. And what it means is when you build something, like let's say it's a new event program or a new nurture program, you need to envision yourself teaching this to another team member. And when you do that, and when you teach um, the, the way you built your program to another person, you'll realize how much it clarifies your thinking and clarifies, you know, it makes sure that the program that you've built is in the most elegant way that it can be. And it's not hobbled together and hacked together. And you are thinking about things like, you know, you're asking the tough questions. Why is this here? You know, what impact is it going to have on the business? Do we even need this? Um, so, so those are two things that I think um, can help, whether you're at a small organization or a really large one like Amazon. Man, building with a training mindset. I love that. Uh, like sometimes when th these things happen, you just hear the name of the show like in the middle of it, like it's very, very meta. You're like, whoa, like the, the, the clouds part and the sunshine comes <laughs> down on you and it's like, here's the name of the title. Um, but the idea that it's not, this literally circles back around to the very first myth, which is like, it's your baby, it's your tool, hands off. This is my marketing automation program. I own the marketing automation, don't touch it. Yes, you need to protect and ensure things are being followed. You need to be a traffic cop sometimes but it's not like it's going to be your baby forever. How many times have we seen that in marketing automation programs? The more complicated, the worse this is when that one person that was using it, um, especially the more technical ones, they were like, they were the one that used it. They were the kind of the bottleneck, but they leave, right? They go get another job. They go become a consultant. Something happens. And that company has no idea what's in their system. Sometimes it's automated. So there's things happening they have no idea. Sometimes they'll come to us like, please help us move to Pardot or something. And they have no idea. Like, oh, what do you have? How many landing pages? Or how? Um, yeah, we're not even sure. 
we're not even sure how to get in necessarily <laughs> to the account. So can you go hop in there for us? But yeah, like, but the contrast would be building. And maybe even if you are a, a one person there, maybe you won't be there forever. So almost being like a steward of that account. Like, okay, why am I doing this? What's a good naming thing? It's not just, maybe I don't have to name it perfectly because it's just me in here. But what if it wasn't just me in here? What if I'm training an intern later to do this? Or I'm training a whole team? Or one day I want to be mid-market or enterprise and I, and I need to have these habits to, to name things and to act like other people are watching you whether they are or aren't. I could see that being just a great habit. Yeah. And it, when you do that, when you, when you build with a training mindset, it makes you a better builder and program owner. It's very similar to, I don't know if you've heard this before, but you become a really good employee once you start managing someone. I, I, has everyone ever told you that? Um, no, but it makes total no, sense. It does. So because when you manage someone, you actually step outside of yourself and you start to see things that another person does that you also tend to do. And, and so it, it, it makes you step up because you are sort of a role model and you don't want to be a hypocrite. So, so if you tell your employee, you know, I, I, I'd like you to get things done on time, on an agreed upon time. I want you, I'd like you to follow up. I'd like you to, um, you know, participate in team meetings. You can't say that unless you do it, yes. right? So being a manager naturally makes you a better employee. And that, that sort of kind of ties to, to when you're building with a training mindset, it makes what you build better because it's cleaner and it's more elegant. So and, I, and, I, and you're I, asking you're, and you're doing what you would ask someone else to do if, if they were in your system, you know, they're yep. caring and feeding for your baby. You would want them to, Hey, no, Hey, get that, get that naming stuff squared away. Let's put it all in folders. Let's do it this way. This is, you, you should start by doing it that way so that they can learn totally. from you. Yeah. It makes total sense. Be, be a bell, better builder having that training mindset. You know, I, I had a question before I forget. Yeah, yeah. So when you, cause I've always been interested about it. When you work with a new client, do you sort of, is your mindset, I am going to set everything up and teach you, you know, in such a valuable way that at some point you're not going to need us anymore. Hmm. Is that how you look at things or is it not? What? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so like my team just does Pardot, right? We help people move off of everything else. Right. Like Marketo, for instance. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but, but one of the things, um, so we, we help people move off of it, but um, man, I just lost my train of thought because I was all disappointed. Well, there's a, there's a, the reason <laughs> I ask is because there's a natural conflict of interest that I think a lot oh, of people don't oh, talk about. Oh, the train, the train, the thing. Yeah, I know. That I'm I think sorry. a lot of people don't talk about. And it's that if you do a consulting job so well, do they need you anymore? Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Um, see, now I'm like, where was I? So <laughs> um, I find a lot of tools um, are, are much better for an agency. Like if, as a Pardot agency, it is... You gotta, it's like, how do you quote me on this? Like you could misquote me. <laughs> it is the worst tool for an agency who wants to keep their clients hostage. Pardot is. Because okay. it is the easiest tool I've found. Because I've had a chance to use them all too. Not as recent. Right, right, right. Had a chance to use them all. And I feel like I can get someone up and running um, very quickly on Pardot. I can teach them. I can, and, and somehow it's intuitive. 
it was my first tool. And I think whichever one you use first kind of like shades you a little bit, but, uh, but I feel like it's the one where if I really wanted to keep people hostage, I would not be all about part of, but I, but I am, and I, and I love it. And I'm glad Salesforce bought it and all the sort of things that happened to me along the way, super blessed. And yeah, there, there is something to that where you just, you're, you're not in the business of keeping people forever as much as you realize as a company, like, Ooh, that'd be great. It's actually just to try to see them being successful. Um, and sometimes when you do an implementation, you teach them how to fish and they're just off to the races, you know, right. other times they want support. So yeah, there's really a mixture of that, but I, I do, I think it, it just it depends on the kind of style of the company and the, the culture and the personality, but yeah, we just, we care about people. It's one of our core values. We care. So I'm totally yeah. game if they're, as long as they're successful though, that, that's sometimes that's the challenge. And and we've always sort of toyed with the idea for a while. One of our, our why was like to teach a better way, to teach a better way. Thinking like we're a teacher to fish, you go and you fish. But sometimes yeah. we find that um, teachers, it's interesting. First of all, God bless teachers. We love you all. Here's mm. an apple. But that being said, the interesting thing with teachers or being a tech teacher is that you kind of add, um, you, you get rid of some of the responsibility because teachers, mm. like you get a grade based on what you did. And then next semester you go somewhere else and you're not my problem anymore. Right. Mm. Whereas what if we're stuck with you forever? Um, okay. Um, now you are a responsibility. And then sometimes what do students do? Sometimes they're the straight A students. Sometimes they're not. So we, we'd had different people re, re, react different ways to being taught. Maybe they know how to use it, but they don't have time to do it. Or they know how to use it and they just haven't done it yet. Right. So we, we started moving more toward a model of like, we'll, we'll show you, or we'll do it for you, right? Mm. So we do, so you we get the option. Yeah, not you know, getting out of the, the business of like, here's an email with the answer, click here to this link, and this is, this is a walkthrough of doing it because there, you need the accountability of like, are you going to do this? Let's do it together. Like you can click, let's do it together on a call or just let me do it and I'll do it. But either way, I want to get it done. So it's, it's, now it's less a matter of do you know the thing or not? It's can we get you the results? And so I, we've sort of shifted a little bit more toward that. We still love teaching and we're all kind of teachers at heart, but, um, but it's kind of got a little edge to it now where we're like, you know, kicking and screaming, we're going to make sure you get success um, and we want to lead you there. So there's like a balance, you know, um, but that's, yeah. I've definitely seen that be the case to answer your question. Yeah. No, good to know. I, I, I've just thought about it and I just thought it's just, um, just an interesting sort of do you, challenge do you I think with ver, yeah, examples or you see versions of that happening around you or it's just curious when you have like that many clients coming in and how you wondering where the question comes from I've just thought I've just thought about it I think I've been involved in the marketing automation industry for I don't know 10 years now and decades um, years and I, I just feel like it, it's just um it's 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 a cool space to be in and um the a lot of the thought leadership is is um, led by agencies like yourself, right? Yeah. And I think it's just an interesting question of well, how do you approach? Yeah. How do you approach? You know, uh, teaching them. You know, when do you cut the training wheels off? Um, let let them ride on their own. And after that, um, is there is there a lot of more business or more more ways to 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 help them? And I'm yeah. sure there are. Um, so it's just been something. I well, think you know, about. tying tying to the the book. I know we've chatted about the you know the book on marketing automation, live on Amazon yep. right now. <laughs> marketing automation unleashed. Go get it. <laughs> um, 
the, the challenge that we found too was that you could train a whole bunch of people how to use the tool, but there's all these outside voices to your point, outside vendors, the, yeah. the vendors themselves from the different tools, other agencies. And I once saw an agency, and I, I rant on this poor consultant, but the consultant wrote a blog post, which was like the 10 most unused features of marketing automation or unused features in Pardot that you should go use today. It's like, hmm, pause. Just because yep. it's unused and mm -hmm. novel and new, does that mean I should use it? Or maybe yep. you're just distracting me. And like marketers, we're all sometimes like, cats chasing lasers and and yeah. we don't need another distraction and then sometimes the vendors themselves are like here's a great selling feature here's a this here's a that and it's like hmm how's your data <laughs> do you do you have any segmentation set up like I, I get it you could set up these really cool you know all sorts of whiz bang things but do you know who you're mailing and what you want to say like have you figured that part out let's put the cart before the horse and so i think yeah. sometimes the follow-on services and guidance is more around you could call it strategy, but no one wants to buy strategy. It's more around um, the different ways you need to. So I made a roadmap, right? Just so that people could go, okay, have I covered this base? Yes. Have I covered this base? And then ideally the it like snowballs. And eventually by the time you get to the really cool advanced dynamic content, tokens in Marketo, you know, advanced dynamic content part, whatever it is, you need, you need to have the data or those stuff that won't populate. Right. So it's like kind of do that first, then do this and kind of building a little bit of discipline and process into people. Yeah, I completely agree. And oh gosh, this woman told told me this quote that I loved and I forgot her name, but it's strategy should drive technology and yeah. not the other way around. And that's exactly one of the issues that you pointed out. You know, these features are available. Try them out. But there's no purpose to you know, what's the goal behind trying it out? So, doing something for its own sake is not productive. Um, it, and it could be harmful sometimes in some cases. So I 100%. think it's important. Even, yeah. even just opportunity cost. You spend all your time building this yeah. thing. And but by the At way, least. it doesn't work or the reports don't populate because you built the reports and you never thought to, I mean, we've seen it all the time where, you know, someone spends a lot of time deving this amazing dashboard or something and they hadn't thought, Oh, how does that get populated? Who's capturing that data? Right. Yeah. And then there's also the cost of technical debt, Right. Which, Ooh, yeah, yeah. So, and so technical debt for, for people that, that don't know is essentially the manual tasks and extra effort that you have to put in when you've implemented something that wasn't built for the long term or wasn't built when there's a, a that wasn't connected to a, a fully thought out strategy. And um, it, you see it all the time with tons of unused fields, um, with processes that are there just because um, someone tried to do something new. So now you got to check the box. And um, at, at, you know, at a place like Amazon, that's multiplied several times. Oh, yeah. So it's imagine. just extra, it's, you, can, you can even say hundreds, hundreds, even thousands of hours of technical debt can accrue because, because you're, you're not doing things without a purpose. Mm -hmm. That's how people, you know, you can actually max out the number of fields in Salesforce, right? Like how could and it's some astronomical number? You know, you know the number is uh, there's something. Oh, I don't know. Several hundred, maybe even a that. It's, it's a big number. So it's like, how would you ever possibly max that out? Because um, there's only so many things you know about a person. You know, <laughs> like well, it's it's that technical debt just adding up. Someone added a field. Someone added a field. 
And then they're not they're even there anymore. And when, when you were talking, I was thinking they weren't building with a training mindset and now they got technical debt. You know, they weren't yep. thinking big picture. You know, we actually require stakeholders to write up a business justification, like a report, if they want a new field. <laughs> yeah. You know, they Amen. and and then they're yeah. like, no, I don't, it's not really that, I'm not, it's not worth it to me to write this thing up. And that's the thing. That's the thing. Just the exercise of itself weeds out the people because, because some people are, are, will just come and say like, oh yeah, you know, uh, can we make a, a field for their, their pet's name, you know, or, or, you know, for, for their, their favorite type of, of, of sunset or something, you right. know, it's just like ridiculous um, that you'll, that is obviously a one-time use. Um, so, so requiring that people have some skin in the game is, mm. is a big, is a big thing. You know, it, yeah. it helps, it helps you at least know if they're serious and if, if, if they're, if they're, if, if there's like real consequences and benefits of, of creating the new field or the project that they're doing in general. Yeah. I'm sure it weeds out most of the people. And then the, probably another half of them are filling the thing out and like, I'm going to get this field built no matter what. And halfway through, they're like, eh, I don't. I'm, I, I'm, did I write that? Like, that doesn't look very like a good, good argument. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the questions is what are the consequences or ramifications if we don't do this, you know, yes. and that, that opens people's eyes because a lot of it, especially around like productivity um, enhancements, things like that, you, you find that the consequences are actually really minimal. You know, it's like, well, I save a few minutes here or there. Um, but, but, you have to do those things to to restrict or limit the amount of to guard against technical debt. Yeah, um, and 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 it's just so valuable. Everyone is going to thank you later on. Yeah, and it, so. I mean the the downside is you have a field, and when you have a field in there, favorite sunset. Um, I think I have a field in mind saying like favorite drink or something, but favorite sunset. That I I, I can buy that favorite. Favorite drink ice cream would be great too. You know, because nothing says love like loving your customer like ice cream customer experience. Hashtag. Um, but, but if you have a field in there, you, know, no, you can't just delete it. That's what people don't realize. Because mm -hmm. what is it tied to? <laughs> and so there's a lot of hours maybe you, your team have to go through. Other teams, whole meetings to go, do we need this field? What's it tied to? Is there some apex code going to not trigger and it's going to break nine things and cause thousands more? So you got to be cautious in that one little tiny field you know, that's, that's the technical, that's like the, well, it's just a field. No, no, no. It's all the ramifications of, even if it's harmless, getting rid of it, you got to make sure it's harmless. Right. And then, and then, and then it's not documented typically. Oh, so, for sure. so you've got this, this, this technical, you've got, what, what happens is you create churn, right? Where people are, don't know what a field or process is for. Yeah. So they spend all this time trying to find out, right? And that, that, that churn is everyone that has to stop whatever they're doing, whatever high value projects they're on yeah. and go through the history and see what is this field favorite sunset for, you know, did, did mm -hmm. we use it? Are we going to break something if we don't populate this? Right. So it's just so important to look down the road and, and do things like, even if it's not a full like business report, like we require, um, have it be a questionnaire, you know, what's the field? Will you use this again? Are you the only person that's using this? Um, you know, uh, technical requirements, like what's the field type and, and all of a sudden who should be visible to, um, 
but but and like I said, you know, what are the ramifications if we don't do it? And that that I think at minimum people need to think about when they're when they're making something new. Makes sense, man. Um, I want to shift a little bit and take us over to LinkedIn because yeah. you are like a master of it. I, I, I'll give myself <laughs> like a purple belt. You definitely get a black belt. Um, what's your approach to it? Before we even get into any sort of like tactical, really cool tips, like what is your overall approach, strategy, if you will, the purpose? We talk about don't do something without a purpose. What's the purpose of you on LinkedIn? What are you doing? You spent some time on there. You're an amazing thought leader. Um, I respect the hell out of it. What, what are you doing? So thanks for the kind words, first of all. Yeah. Um, the, I think, you know, and I mentioned this when we, on our pre-call, I'm really into professional development. It's like one of my things. Yeah. And I feel that when you write about it and you help other people with it, there's something that's really kind of gratifying and fulfilling about that. So I think that underneath there's that, that, you know, altruistic thing that I really like to think that it's all yeah. about. Um, but I will say a lot of it came because of the, a lot of my engagement on LinkedIn happened after the lockdown. You know, I think sure. that people are going to LinkedIn and other social networks because they're craving what we're missing. You know, um, we don't get to talk to people and, and we're missing what people say. And, and it's, it's weird not to hear, you know, gossip in the hallways or, mm -hmm. you know, um, shit talking by the water cooler. Sure. You know what I mean, that's like valuable to us as humans. And that's, that's what I, I think is, is, is really, is really important. Um, one thing that, that I find, and, you know, this is my personal opinion, is that helpful content, when you post helpful content, it does okay. But what really does well is relatable content. And relatable content is where you see it and it makes you think, oh yeah, like I hate that. Or, oh yeah, I love that, you know, me too. Like that's, 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 that's how, um, that, that's the kind of thing that you should try to go for. If you want to get, I think a lot of engagement is this idea where you want to make them say, you know, I feel the same way, right? Mm -hmm. Like I feel you. And, and that, that's what I found has been really the best and, and a learning experience for me too, because I, I can work um, and I'm, I'm really thoughtful about the posts that I do. So, um, you know, I can put something together that I think is extremely helpful and valuable, especially when, when people are tackling similar projects. Um, and it just does, it just does okay. Mm -hmm. uh, but the best content is the one where it's relatable. And you find that people share it because they feel the same way. And I think it, it ties back to what I was talking about, right? They like, people like to talk near the water cooler and say, hey, crappy weather, right? Yeah, I hate it. I can't do this, you know? And it's just something that I think is just part of us. Um, yeah. So that, that's kind of how I've been thinking about LinkedIn and, and, and posting about it. It's cool you've adopted that. Um, I feel like I've witnessed that and maybe for, for a while I kind of like, fought it you know because you write this post that's like really what people need to read and then the thing that goes comment viral is something about like i don't know bacon and make sure it's not you know we're we gonna run out of toilet paper yeah as long as we sell bacon we're fine or something like that where you're like 
Really? Really? But this pose is going to, but the relate, are you able to tie them together? It's almost like we need to get people with the relatable, but can you sneak in some things that are actually going to help them? I'm not even talking about sales. I'm just talking like, because it, it feels like the same kind of stuff where we're like distracted by lasers, but what really is going to help us is the food, the cat food. So it's like, how do you, or, or are they still helpful? I don't know. Or just you for know, fun. I have, I actually have strong feelings about this. Um, yeah. But I have to ask, what are, what are some of the, the posts that you find really annoying? <laughs> uh, well, I was saying earlier, the ones where people are complaining and, and like, I, yeah. I don't want to take action. Like, you know, I want to do something about it. So it's like, I want people to be able to say something's wrong, but like, tell me, maybe, maybe they don't, maybe they don't feel comfortable sharing it. So maybe that's not good. But I want to like fix stuff. So if I hear problems, I want to, I want to answer them. Um, right. I think I hate salesy posts. Salesy um, posts. Like, posts like all talking about, about their themselves. product or service. Yeah. Yep. Um, that's right. But I guess I follow a lot of really cool people now. So it's like, it, it drowns everything out. I we got you and Chantel and, and Nick and everybody else. Mm -hmm. So it's like, um, I have a lot of good stuff that I'm seeing. Um, I don't know if I even remember the, the stuff I'm like avoiding. I got to go pull up LinkedIn. Well, maybe, well, you can unfollow people. So that's, that helps. True. Um, so if you really don't like what you're seeing, you can, you can unfollow them even if you're connected. Um, so, so I felt the same way where why doesn't, so the question that came to me was why doesn't the best and most helpful and actionable content perform the best right and you can actually go back and it's so hard right now today it, to go and find articles that people have written on linkedin because linkedin used to have this thing called pulse and it was like it, it was it was really uh, hmm. a, a, a great content syndication network you know it's kind of like medium how oh, medium gotcha. is yep. where you write stuff down and it, and, and it gets featured on pulse they don't have that anymore and actually the articles that i've written um on linkedin articles you have to really dig to find them. So I actually started by writing helpful long form content and it just got no engagement. I did that so, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what I found was I took the key points of my articles and what I wanted to say and turned them into like a thousand character post. And it really, really resonates well with people. And, you know, I think that what I'm kind of coming to and like landing on is that it's, it's our audience today. It's people today and it's how they consume content. Um, and, and it's just how it is and, and how your, your audience likes to consume it. And, and then that depends on your audience. Right. But if, if you think about it, people today are just scanning and scrolling. Yeah. Right. And unfortunately they, they, um, you know, it has to be interesting for them to catch their eye. But I will say, and you, and you mentioned this before, it's exactly what I do. I write content in a really consumable and almost like, you know, interesting or funny way, but there's usually some sort of underlying message. Yeah. And it's oh, always yeah. around professional development because I love professional development. I'm looking so, at one of yours right now. Um, and what I like about it is... My, my list of things I want to work on the next three months. What's on your <laughs> list? And you actually put a, like a screenshot from, I think it's like iPhone notes or something. Yeah. You know, it is. And you, and you did, I'm glad you didn't like crop out the little icons at the top because like I related to that. Cause I'm like, Oh yeah, 
I know that app. It's a silly you use that app, app, right? Yeah, I, just, I use it because what else are you gonna you gonna use? Um, there's other ones that can store it, but you get it's hard to edit. So it's it's helpful. It's just right there. But you get all these um, and you've got all the different emojis on there too. And I'll make a note to read that later. But um, yeah. So right, it's it's relatable. But at the same time, what you're doing, I totally get it. This is a great example. We should we'll link to this too. At the same time, what you're doing is you are kind of maybe nudging people to say, and you said hashtag professional development, maybe you should be thinking about the things you want to work on in the next three months. Be a little more intentional about what you want to do, what your goals are. Hint, hint, wink, wink. But here are mine and yeah. they're cute. You know, it's like, and they're fun. So. Yeah. And, and that's how, I mean, it's a learning process for me too. True. And I thought it would be a cool way to get someone to stop scrolling because just like you said, they'll recognize the notes app, <laughs> you know, the notes, yeah. the notes thing. It's like, you probably write stuff down. Cause that's what I do. I, if I, if I, you know, w- when we were talking pre-interview, I, you asked me to think about some things. I wrote it down in my notes app. So um, I hope that familiarity kind of speaks to people. Um, but, but the deeper message is, you know, these things that I'm personally wanting to work on and, you know, I, I hope, I, I think others, this one woman in the comments uh, said she printed it out <laughs> and she's going to make that be her sort of also her self-improvement plan for the next three months. And <laughs> I, I feel like that just means so much to me. And it, it also, it also sort of, I don't know, proves that I, I think a lot of other people feel the same way about professional development and about getting better and, you know, a little cheesy, but it's a positive message. And that's, that's what I like. So. You know what? I find the cheesy or the, the cliche things are actually the most true usually, right? And they tend to only be cheesy for people who aren't doing them and they feel bad about it, right? Otherwise, it's like, yeah, yeah, it's cheesy, but maybe I should do that. I'm like, oh, write down my goals. Uh, so, or, you know, it's like, yeah, go do that. Um, put it, but that's, how powerful is that that, that that the lady shared that she was using that list too. I mean, that's got to feel really good for you, you know, just inside because you, you, you've helped in a way. That's what you talked about. You wanted to help people. I, I also, I also think that there's, it carries some weight, right. For yeah. especially people that are having a lot of people read their content. There's, I feel like you have sort of an obligation to, to write things that matter. Um, I don't know how, how people feel about that, but that's how I feel about it. Um, Anyway, so, I mean, talking about professional development, do you feel that you've become better by interviewing all these top leaders and people that are really good at what they do? I know you interview authors and, um, you know, um, influencers and stuff. Has it made an impact or or have you been doing that like all along? Like, do you just talk to people and just didn't record Um, it? I tried to learn all along. And I think before COVID, a lot of audible books, you know, uh, love listening um, and trying to get those in on a run or something or a hike. But um, yeah, the podcast, it was like two and a half years ago now, which is crazy. Um, Congrats. Yeah. It's doing so great. But dude, the, the amount of learning um, and I'm not even like kidding that I'm learning is, and if this, so I can see, I heard one time that like Jay Leno, they made him interview people. Like it wasn't like he got a chance to choose when he had the tonight show or whatever it was like, they're like, you're going to interview this person. And he like, maybe he knows that person. Maybe he doesn't, but he's got like, Hey, you're great. But like, I get to interview people that I really want to learn from and emulate and 
And so I'm literally learning from you on the LinkedIn stuff right now. And, and so, um, and sometimes there's overlap, but what's cool is then when there's overlap, it's the things that stack and stack and you keep hearing the same message like, Oh, that is something I gotta, I gotta stay with. Other times it's like the LinkedIn thing. I'm just gonna, that's gonna stick with me. Other times, you know, I've talked to a, a bunch of people about ABM. There's a lot of fun, mm -hmm. a lot of mis, myths and mischaracterization around ABM. And uh, there's a lot of people who've written books about it. But I gotta tell you, um, authors, I guess I'm in the list now, um, gotta yeah. be careful because you can quickly be out of the game and so talking to the people doing it in the trenches, some of the VPs I talked to are folks that are like actively doing ABM. who are like, yeah, you don't need to sell your soul for this. You'll be fine. Um, here's, here's how to approach it. Or here's the drawback. Or here's, here's what you don't like. Oh, they're in your ABM target. You don't know anything about them. Great. How are you going to find that out? Like that's actually an unspoken problem. And so hearing those things from people is like, oh, got it practical and then, then actually applying it with my own company so i'm able to work with christina on our team and we get to do marketing for cheshire and so what's cool is um now i get to learn from everyone and then i have a lab i have a place to to do that i don't think it'd be yeah. as fun or as um captivating for me if i was only learning and i couldn't execute it or if i was only executing and i wasn't learning and growing but man i've i've had so many conversations i mean um, Peter Fader, professor at Wharton School of Business for marketing, mm -hmm. right? Hour and a half. That guy just smoking my brain, right? He yep. was just filling it full. He just cracked it open and just poured a bunch of stuff in there. Um, and I hope some stick stuck. But like, yeah. yeah, it's just it's it's such an honor. It's it's really it's my MBA, right? Is really yeah. what, what it is. Probably to, better. Kind of a custom one, you know? Yeah. So, and it, yeah. and it and it makes I think it makes the process of trying to do really great work i think it makes it even more fulfilling you know when you write about it when you create podcasts about it yeah you know because you re you're revisiting and you're reflecting um and then you're you're talking like you're 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 laughing at things that go wrong or that yeah. people are people are doing that are terrible yeah right yeah so it, and it's, some it's, of it's, it's unspoken too it like abm right so doing we're doing abm right now at chesh and we thankfully have learned from a lot of really smart people doing it. Okay, we're not a vendor. We're not selling anything about it. So don't pick a thousand accounts. So we pick five, right? Because we're a small company. So we pick five. Medium-sized company, maybe they pick more, maybe pick more, but you don't pick a thousand, right? And so we're learning that. And some, some companies that we've tried and no one's home, right? Yeah. They're not. So we're trying one other thing and we're moving them off the list. We're going to add somebody else back in there. But I would have no idea about those things. And then even that book, you know, to write that book, there are so many topics that, you know, I know part of, I know marketing automation, but like landing page optimization or some of these other topics, I was able to interview people on those specific topics and tie them into the book. And, and I've found that I have filled some of those gaps, or a lot of the gaps. Um, and there's still more to learn, which is interesting because I haven't got tired. It's like 200 plus episodes. And I'm like, right, let's do it. It's constantly evolving constantly hearing new things talking to you people. should do you should do i mean i and i loved your book by the way that's how Thank i found you. out about that's how i i your name came how'd up. you find the book i don't well i'm like a i'm like a nerd about these things so i think i might have just been looking for books about marketing automation hell like, yeah you can already tell how nerdy i am right yeah um, right so i think i've just been looking i just looked for it on amazon and I got the, I don't know if you did a Kindle version, but I got the, I got the hard copy. We do have um, a Kindle version. Yeah. 
Hard copy is cool, though. You know what would be cool is if you did one of those that, what is that, Tim Ferriss does? He created a book out of, like, the best learnings he got from the podcast. That'd be totally. kind of interesting. Yeah. Totally. I mean, that's, I'm going to do it. I'm totally going to do it. That's super cool. You know, yeah. it's like, it's like bite-sized and summarized. Sorry, that'd be a lot of work for you, but. <laughs> I know, but you, I know there's one called Tool of Titans. Have you, do you have that one? I have that one. Yeah. I don't have the other one, but I have that one and I, I, I love it. It's cool. It's hard. It's hard because every, I can't like you, every page has like four or five to do's on it. Right. So. Oh, I know. Like, oh, try yeah. this tea out. Try this methodology out. Oh, I would always read this book. Like, oh, well, I got to buy that book and I got to go try that tea. And I get like, so. Right, right. You, you got to be careful. Yeah, yeah you can't, but, but it's great. You can't have it be like self-development for the purpose of just learning self-development. Yeah, definitely yeah. is not that. You have to, <laughs> sometimes it's better to just take away a couple things and then try to do that. <laughs> right, totally, man, totally. Well, like I, I could talk to you all day, but my next question to you is like, who are you? Who are you? Uh, take me back, like little Daryl days. Did you always know you are going to be in marketing, technology? Where did you grow up? What did you want to be? <laughs> take us back. Yeah. So, you know, I didn't always know I wanted to be in marketing. In high school, I was this chubby kid um, and I didn't have a lot of friends. Um, I, I had this scar. You can't really tell. I don't know if you can see it. There's a scar on my face. Over the, oh, on that side? No. Yeah. You can't see it, right? It's very faded, but I got it when I was seven. And if you can imagine, like, it was probably worse than Harry Potter's scar. Yeah. It's just a streak. It's like a, it would be like a red Z all across my face. Yeah. And it made me really self-conscious. Um, Did you fall down so, the stairs or like what, what happened? Oh, yeah. So I was riding a bike and I went off a ramp. Hell yeah. You know, and, and it was funny because my dad was watching me, <laughs> but he didn't tell me to put on a helmet. A helmet. So I <laughs> scraped my head along a four foot wall and oh. just like all the way across 36 stitches no kidding in your 36 face as a kid in my, on my face tiny face yeah and yeah tiny face right <laughs> yeah and you know i just felt like that was a big part of my childhood was being sort of ashamed of this scar wow so um, you, when you look back like that's a big chapter is all around that well, I think that, you know, later on, like after high school, it started to, my scar started to fade. Yeah. Right. So it wasn't the first thing people pointed out. Sure. And I just kind of got into improving myself. You know, I started by like losing weight mm-hmm. and then, you know, I like made more friends that way. And I, I just picked up some random books and it was just how to connect with people better. Okay. And I found that my life just really greatly improved just from simple things like that, that I did like, like met, like measurable changes. Like if you um, would pick three simple things, what would you say? I think, okay. So I think being healthy, like, you know, you don't have to be like ripped, but I think sure. like being physically fit does wonders for your confidence. Yeah. It, it actually helps you talk to other people. I and, you know, the, there, there are people, of course, that, that have limitations and, and, you know, we have to be sensitive to, to that. Um, and, and it's not for everybody, but, but I, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in fitness. Um, yeah. Well, you know, and, even your mood, right? One time I had, uh, sorry to interrupt, I had a kid's birthday party and I was like eating healthy and then 
They serve like Pizza Hut pizza. Sorry, Pizza Hut. Uh, <laughs> your pizza is not healthy. But you know what? It's a kid's birthday party. I hadn't eaten breakfast. So I was like, let me have a few of these pieces. So good. Like, so good because you know they're wrong. Probably not even real food. But uh, sorry, Pizza Hut. But um, uh, afterward, that afternoon, I was like kind of down. And I was just kind of... And it was just, I was like, oh, you know, I, I kind of made a bad call and I was just kind of dragging. So, but yeah, whether you can get fit or injuries or whatever, at least if you can like be intentional about what you're eating, that's like so huge. It's not easy, but. Oh my gosh. It's important. It affects your mood. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, that was one. That was one. Um, I think the other one is. Um, just sort of being yourself and, and being confident and not ashamed of who you are. And, and that comes across when you talk to people, you know, mm. um, you know, I think when you're trying to be someone else, um, or you're trying to like hold this, do this facade, it, it, it like taints everything that you, you do. Yeah. And I, I think that that's, that's so important. Actually, that reminds me of Mulan. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a Disney fan. I, have you watched yeah. Mulan yet? <laughs> oh, not the new one. Not the new one? Good? All right. You should, I'm not going to spoil it for you. But but it is, I've watched the old one. Is it different somehow? It is. Oh, okay. Yeah. It, Surprisingly, it's different. Disappointingly, a little bit, it's different. Um, but, you know, when, when I was working for a startup, and I know that's fast forward a little bit, I, I became, um, it was a really small startup, less than 60 people. I became a manager really quickly so it was mm-hmm. like I, I was like 24 and I managed a team of six okay. um and you know I look back and it was such a stressful time for me because I was trying to be this high producing manager with a high producing team um and it just wasn't me you know yeah. it, it came through like when I interviewed in my one-on-ones with people when I just tried to get them to do things that were probably excessive, you know, like, like you're five minutes late or um, you didn't fill out your report on time. Come on. Like a, this is the third time. So you were and a tough just, manager. I can imagine. Right. And, and that's I've been fired think, by some tough managers. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I thought that that's what it took, yeah. you know? And yeah. I think what's worse was it wasn't me. I was trying yeah. to be something I wasn't. And um, I try to remember that because it wasn't a great, it wasn't a great, I learned a lot, but it wasn't a great, great time now. And, and what I like about where I work and, and, and my team and even, even my company before was, you know, I was able to bring myself to work. And, and that's, mm. that, that I think really helps in your confidence. Um, and it helps you be super confident when you talk to people because you're not, you're not um, hiding something, mm-hmm. you know, and you feel like open. And I, I think that that's a, a really big thing to. And to, you know, by itself, know. though, I could see people saying like, "Easy, for, you know, easy for you to say." No, it wasn't easy for you to say. But also, um, how do you magically have confidence? Well, the first thing you listed was getting, getting healthy and getting fit and eating right, managing your mood that way. And and I found sometimes, I mean, however you get yourself tired, right? You just get yourself yeah. tired. You don't have energy for the drama. You don't have energy for the extra thoughts because you just do tired or you're angry at someone or you're sad. Like, you're just like, I'm tired. <laughs> like everything aches right now. <laughs> I don't really have time for all those extra thoughts that were driving me bonkers before because I've silenced them. You know, we don't have enough food energy to go around. So we're going to focus on the positive side a little bit. Right. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that confidence also comes from knowing that you're putting forth a really good effort yeah. and that you are doing your best in what you're, what you do, you know, like, are you, um, like what really works for me is, am I waking up early? Am I, it's, it's all those things I wrote in that list, <laughs> that LinkedIn post, like, am I, am I waking up early? Am I tackling my most important task in the morning? Um, am I, am I getting back to my stakeholders in a timely way? Um, am I putting like my, Am I, am I dedicating my most like creative and time when my mind is fresh? Am I, am I dedicating that time to really important and complex problems? Um, if I feel that I'm doing those things, then I feel confident in about, you know, in, in, in when I talk to people at work, you know, because, because I, I know that, that, um, you know, I'm doing the best and, and that, I think that that can really help your, if you have problem with self-confidence. You know, you're, you, th that you have the knowledge that you're doing a good job and that you're doing the best that you can. I think that, I think that um, unconfidence, what, what's that feeling? What, what's it called? Inferiority, whatever, inferiority sure. complex. Yeah, that happens when you're really doubting. And, you know, if, you, if, you're, if you're not doing these sort of daily disciplines, it's easy to doubt yourself, you know? Um, but if you're, if, you're, if you're actually doing things um, and you're productive, that, that I think... Um, builds you up so yeah yeah and i was say even more than three is that list we'll just link to it because that that <laughs> list is actually the list um and in those kind of activities those really help i think for me sometimes it was like more of the self-defeating like you're right doing your best you can feel good um there's a little risk though because it's like that's all i got so if i did my best and i failed does that somehow mean i'm like not capable you know oh, so sometimes yeah. for me i would like not do my best just so if it didn't work, I was like, well, I didn't do my best, you know? Um, but that was a trick because then you're always, you're always just shy and you never feel that confidence you're talking about where you're like, no, and no, I gave it a hundred, you know, I left it all on the field, they say, or all on yeah. the, on the screen. Yeah. And you know what? It comes through like, uh, yeah. you know, like your show, right. Um, you're really authentic and, you know, casual, but not stiff. Sure. Right. And like, very relatable, you know? Um, I'm sure that was an active choice, right? An intentional choice where you're like, you know, there's some, some podcasts out there that are a little bit formal. Yeah. <laughs> right. To, but to agency owner is very popular. He has a very formal podcast. It's very formal. Not saying yeah. that that's bad, no. but, but that's his your jam. podcast kind of shines through because it's because of that authentic. Sure. Yeah. And I'm sure, sure. that you, considered that when yeah. you're making it two years ago <laughs> two and a half years ago you know it's it's interesting because you also see the evolution of you like i've seen me gain weight i've seen me lose weight um <laughs> episode number one doesn't have video because i tried doing it on go to meeting and they didn't record video <laughs> and then episode two i didn't know what i was doing and the myth smashing didn't start till adele ravella um smashed a myth and i was like that's brilliant Let's do that. That was like episode three or four. Um, but yeah, the structure, you, like going back and hearing myself, it's almost like a diary of watching me change and adapt too and maybe get better at it. I think, I think so. I think so. I, I think know, so. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's really easy to ramble and not pull out interesting topics from your guests. You know, yeah. everyone's but, been in a boring conversation. 
Totally. Totally. You, know? you can. And you can get into one. I, I, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's I possible. Heard, I heard maybe it's Joe Rogan or Tim Ferriss. One of them mentioned, it just stuck with me. I think it might have been Joe actually. Um, the ego. Like you if you say something and I instantly have a response, I need to make sure it fits or like keep going. I don't need to enter. Sometimes we get in these like conversations where we're just waiting to say the next thing. And it's like, or just let the other person talk and let them talk and, and see if you can learn something from their full thought. Not just like, Oh, I know I, I got a response. I got a cool story. I got a funny witty thing to say. It's like, no, no, no. Hold off oh, a yeah. little bit, you know, and see if the right time comes. And sometimes you miss that thought. I write it down sometimes. Sometimes I miss it. That's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. That can be really annoying if it, you're just waiting for, waiting for someone to talk or waiting, waiting for them rich. to stop talking. I've got a story about something funny I did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but hey, real quick, tell me about this. You went to school for social ecology. What are you, uh, what were you going to be, a park ranger? What were you doing? Yeah. You know what? I would say my college. Oh, like park ranger is cool for me. So sorry to interrupt, but like, that's actually not a, a diss. I'm like, it's kind of like cool. You know, it's important to qualify <laughs> these things, every, you know, unfortunately, these days. <laughs> you don't um, have to, but I just like, I like hiking. So, but what's the deal? So, you know, social ecology is both, um, both the environment and also the way people interact with it. Um, I yeah. thought it was really interesting because I was, so I was, in college, I started out pre-med and I realized quickly after some classes and just soul searching that I didn't want to become like a doctor or a nurse. Right. Um, so I just went and just kind of picked a major that I thought, hey, this is kind of interesting, you know, and had an interesting makeup of classes. So, so when you're thinking about, there's a lot of like, uh, in social ecology, there's a lot of um, like there's a, there's a mix of architecture, a mix of how the environment works with like, like city planning. Mm. Um, and then also like psychology, there's also a lot of classes in psychology about how, how people think and, and how they're affected by their outside environment. I thought that was really fascinating. What I really found, I, th I think at the end of it, I was like, you know, I'm not exactly sure this is for me, but I did end up really liking the psychology classes. Um, because yeah. yeah, it's just, it's just so interesting to see, how the way we think really influences our life, you know, and also kind of, you know, scary to see um, in the, in the, in the, in the case of, of mental illness and me mental mm -hmm. disabilities, you know, how, wh what it can do to people um, or what their experience could be. Um, so that's, that I think is, is um, what I took away from, from that time. It goes to show that it, whatever you study, it, it comes down to people, you know, in marketing it really is about people and, and the empathy we were talking about and all that wrapped together it's, it's not so much that degree as you studying and understanding what people want and how you can help them you know i think we're all just trying to help people in marketing or we should yeah be. yeah i always think about and i don't know maybe this is a question for you like did you do you wish that you went to school for marketing did you go to school for marketing no computer science computer science like do yeah. you wish that do you think things would have changed if you'd done that? Do you regret well, doing that? I was able to get this like dual major where I did communications as well, but I didn't even know what anything was. That's really similar. Yeah. I just, I, think, I anyway. just, agree. you really? Yeah. I, th I think marketing communications, there's a lot of, the principles are really similar. It, it's different, yeah. but yeah, I mean. Yeah. I, you know, I, I didn't really know. I just knew I liked 
the internet programming <laughs> websites and but but what i what i found and the school helped me in a way because it took me deeper and deeper to the computer so i was doing like microprocessing gates open close open close open close and and i'm like what am i doing i don't i wanted to be like in my my early head i wanted to be like the network helper guy who was like oh your computer's not working let me help you out and like actually talking to another human with technology you know as opposed to yeah. just the technology so i realized it was more about the people for me and spent more time doing that but i tried a lot of things you know i, I tried hr pr yeah. sales all the different things to try to find what fit how'd you get into marketing so I worked some odd jobs after college, and then I started working for that startup. Um, mm -hmm. It was like f four years. Um, really, I was like employee number five, and it was it was it was so much fun because I was doing both sales and marketing, huh. right? And um, like you know, I would be on a sales call uh, in one hour. And the next hour I would be launching a webinar with myself as the host, you know, really? and yeah. And, and you know what, you know what it reminded me of like sales and marketing and just trying to grow. It was kind of like a game. Um, it, and I don't know if you've ever made this sort of analogy, but it's kind of like a game because you try different things and then you see if it works mm -hmm. and you, and, and there's always a score, um, the revenue, you know, and for us it was um, cause we were fast growing early stage. It was, did, did we beat revenue last month? Yeah. And it was just like such a cool game to play. And it's like, you know, halfway through, we're like, we're not making it. We're not going to make it. We got to try something else. Like, what are we going to do? Um, <laughs> you know, can you, can you do a webinar? Can you like, and, and I, I, we did some shady stuff too, <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> so that's why the, I don't, the gray that's hat. Why I don't, yeah, that's why I don't try to shame too many people. Right. Because <laughs> like, there, right? <laughs> we would just like find, we would just like find lists and just, blast them and you know uh what else would we do we would run arbitrary promotions like oh <laughs> I, I hate to say this but you know and th and that's why like i i was young and i didn't know yeah. but we would say something like you know it's um it's labor day so we're doing this right you know but but it's just like really like a labor day promotion for SaaS software <laughs> um so anyway, but you tried stuff out, right? That's what you try stuff is. out and just see just what works. Testing. And yeah. that's where, I, that, that's where I, I really fell in love with it. And I found that, that I, I moved to, I moved from sales to marketing because I, I, I was good at talking with people. Um, but I always like wanted to do one to many versus one to one, you know, I, maybe it was me being impatient, but I wanted yeah. everyone to know why they should buy something or, 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 what a product could do for them. Um, yeah. and, and I wanted to influence um, more than just one person at a time. And, and that, that kind of stuck with me. So that, that's why I picked marketing. But I do like, I do, I, I do really value salespeople and um, it was fun. Yeah, it was, it was Dude, a lot of fun. You know, your early days, you had, that, you had that feedback. I think sometimes we don't get enough of that in marketing that, um, man, that you close a deal, you got the sale, the thing happened immediate tie to revenue, like you were making a difference and it helped being in the sales seat as well. Cause you could see actively, you know, when you get that email that says like your SOW sign, whether it's DocuSign or whatever it is, there's a little like array, you know, or PDF or scan, whatever it was back then, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I, I think it's, it's, it's great. And then you must've been, um, cause that, that's what happened with, after you were working at, at a company, you went and start your own business, right? 
And that's yeah. kind of the, you know, once you broke off on your own, you probably experienced a lot of that same, same fire and same, same, same thing. Um, totally, but, but what, what's interesting is like, there's different pros and cons to being at both a, at, at a startup or like at a big company. And there's different things that you can pull from it. Um, yeah. Would you ever, would you ever kind of go back and work for someone else and, or, or be at like a, a you know, go back to corporate life or this is the, it's a good question. I'll, I'll, um, I'll summon my inner Justin Bieber and say, never say never. But, uh, <laughs> um, of course that'll get me banned from YouTube for even saying that. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, you, ne- you never say never, but I really, um, it's like I, you know, professional development, personal development, you realize what you're good at and what you're not good at. And then you try to build a life where uh, I think it was Robert Frost was like, your, your vocation and your advocation, your, the things you love doing and the things that you get paid to do are the same or they overlap. And then you, man, you like manufacture your life around that so you can do the things that bring you joy. You get paid to do them. And then you find other people that get joy from the things that you suck at, you know? And then, yeah. and so I've, I've been doing a better job of that lately. A lot of podcasting, a lot of meeting and learning from people, doing the marketing, um, helping other people launch their podcasts. So I'm really just kind of in the mix. And then also Cheshire Impact, you know, it's, it's, it's beyond me now, right? There are people smarter than me, um, more experienced with Pardot, more experienced with Salesforce, and they're amazing. So what I'm trying to do now is transition to be like, uplift them, you know? Yeah. It's not, not about me being Mr. Marketing Automation, you know, maybe back in the day, but like it's, <laughs> it, now I've got these amazing rock stars on the team that it's them and I want to help, you know, elevate them into the spotlight. So I don't know. I, I, I've done such a good job getting this created. I might yeah. be a terrible manager. I, I am. A, I'm not, not a very good manager. I'm a pretty good leader. I'm okay. I'm trying, yeah. but managing people, holding them account. And like, that's why I've got great managers on the team that are like, they love and they love it. It brings them joy to do it as opposed to, you know, me just trying to make it fit. I think a lot of times in the past, a lot of the angst just comes from us just stuck in a role that we're, I mean, it's not a fit and right. it's not a fit. And sometimes like a bad relationship, you don't, you're not immediately get out of it. So the, the company has to tell you to get out of it. Right. So it's like, yeah. you shouldn't be here. This is not your jam. It's not your bag. Find what your thing is, especially these days, do a job you love, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think so much self-reflection and like, sort of like, you know, seeing what you like and, and what you don't like and what you're good at. I think it's, it's good to do that. Um, but, but then it's also like important to know that your growth comes out of times of hardship. Oh, so 100%. when you are doing something that's hard and that you don't get, and then uh, that you feel like, Oh, this is such a struggle. Um, when you come out the other side, it re- you really find that you're like a different person and that you, f- you feel stronger and you definitely want to stay away from roles where it's not a good fit or it's toxic or you hate your life. Yeah. So yeah. I always, I always give that advice to people. Um, but, but I think that, that too, and, and it is a good reminder for me too, is that when we're working through hard stuff, like, remember, like, this is the good stuff. Like, yeah. This is, this is what's going to make you smarter and better. And, and um, I've, I've always believed that. And it's, and it's kind of helped me. It helps you um, develop resilience. You know, especially these, these days, it's hard. Oh, yeah. like, things are rough and, 
and you know that that perseverance and resilience is a is a good trait to have and and it's a time for us to develop it right now i think yeah wise words man like enjoy the journey you know yeah that's a it's the journey not the destination if you can um that's that's what you should be aiming for well we're gonna run out of time soon so i gotta i gotta ask you this one question um hypothetical i may or may not have a time machine in new hampshire um <laughs> you can use it after covid you know we'll, we'll We'll clean it all up, we'll wipe it down, get the squirrels off of it, and you can go back in time and talk to yourself um, after graduating, right? After coming out of school, you're just getting into your career, you're about to go work for a startup and all to do all the crazy things. What kind of advice would you give yourself back then? That is such a good question. You know, I've, I've always struggled with this question because you know, it's interesting because the things that you kind of do and mess up, they become an important part of you. So yeah, you're kind of like, true. huh? Like, I, I don't know. Would I, would I have not done that? Like, would I have not tried all the weird stuff that I did at the startup, <laughs> you know, right. and, and like kind of get that, got that experience, um, you know? Um, but I, I, I would say that, um, I would say that I, no, I don't, I don't like that. You know, this is just for me personally. Yeah, exactly. Was, it's not for everyone else. It's just for Right, you. not for everyone else. Okay, that's just a good one. So my advice would be to relax more huh. for me, specifically. Yeah. So, so for me, and I know like probably for a lot of your listeners and a lot of like my friends, we're ambitious, we're type A people, you know, we have goals and, and we don't feel great if we don't hit them, you know, and, and if, and lack of progression is a real killer for people like me. Um, and it's not the same for everyone. Um, but I, I, I think it's just, it's so important to remember that there's, there's other important things in life and that, you know, usually if you, if you're working hard and, and, and you're always working on yourself and, and giving to others, things are going to turn out okay, you know? And I, I wish I would have yeah. remembered that because I would have, I remember just several times in my career that I would just be sick with anxiety, you know, with, um, with stress, yeah. you know? And I've, um, you know, one period, like years ago, I, I saw a therapist for a couple sessions oh, yeah. just, just to deal with it because Great it idea. was physically having an effect on me. Um, and if back then I would go back, I would tell like, yeah, work hard, but relax and have fun. You know, we have, we have to enjoy the journey. Got to have a little balance there, right? It's yeah. always that weird thing of you want to work hard and push, but then also you got to keep the batteries charged too in some way, shape or form. It's good stuff, man. Well, Hey, where could people connect with you? Where, where do you want them to reach out? What social platforms? Obviously LinkedIn. That's where. Yeah. LinkedIn. LinkedIn. So I'm Daryl Alfonso on LinkedIn. Okay. My Twitter handle is demand Daryl, like both words. Um, it was funny. I came up with that because I was managing demand generation at the time. Yeah. So I was like, oh, that, that kind of is cool. Double entendre. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, I like that. I never changed it. I think cool. I'll leave it. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Cool. Sweet, man. Um, yeah. I, I highly recommend people check and follow now, if they want to connect with you on LinkedIn, just make sure they send a note, say they heard you on the podcast. Don't totally. be a LinkedIn spammer. There's enough of them out there. Don't be a spammer. Say that where you met it, but like, and then, and then really the people need to watch, 
to see and engage with your posts and learn from you. And that's what I've been doing on there too. So dude, this has been great. I don't know if you looked at the clock. Time has like flown. I know. It's amazing. I, I feel like we've got to have episode two, but we'll give it some months. Right. Like a bunch more stories and have you come back on it. Cause I feel like we'll block off like four hours, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go a couple hours past Joe Rogan's, you know, yeah, his, um, I'll bring record. I'll bring some even tougher questions for you that next time. Nice, nice. <laughs> Once you give you some real brain twisters. Yeah, we'll get Trivial Pursuit cards and just, we'll just play it out. <laughs> here. It'll be fantastic. Part cheesy. So th- yeah, thanks um, for the opportunity, Casey. Yeah, man. great. It's really great to connect with you for sure. Um, and for yeah. people listening that that learned something, and I freaking know they did. Why? Because I have no space left on my <sighs> notes, notes over here. Um then share this episode with someone. LinkedIn is the place to do that. Tag myself, tag Daryl. We will engage with that. And that is thought leadership right there. Dude, awesome time. It's great to have met you. Good dude. Yeah. Thanks, Casey. Thanks a lot. Right on. A lot of fun. For those listening, this has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time. 